At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson, and with me is Ron Hicks. Ron, welcome to the program. Thank you, Richard. It's been a couple of weeks since we were able to touch bases, or, or it seems like that long yeah. since the holiday season. Hey, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. 2020. Yeah. People ask, where, what happened to 2019? I'm saying, what happened to 20? 2000 what yeah. about the year 2000 <laughs> well, you're, you're just old <laughs> you're forgetting i am i forget well and so. it'll take a while for us all to, to get used yes. to writing 2020 yes. mm-hmm. it's usually mm-hmm. about three weeks to get yeah. that down so yeah. well hey we're going to kick off this program with a uh program on euphemisms and irony mm-hmm. and euphemism is just it's it's kind of a manipulation of a word at lessening the effect of a word to mean something that it really doesn't directly mean okay. and then there's irony and what I've done is I've looked at a couple of news stories, big news stories, right. uh, over the past several months, some recently, and uh, either whether it's a headline or an actual word or an issue mm-hmm. that has been twisted to portray one thing, but really it's doing something else. Okay. The reality is somewhere else, mm-hmm. and that's euphemistically speaking, okay. I guess. I hope I'm using that right. I think I am. Hey, when you use it on the radio, it's 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 so. It's so. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Abraham Lincoln said anything yeah. you read on the internet is true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> dude, <laughs> let's think about that for a minute. Yeah. Well, hey. So here's one of the stories that broke back in November was Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives reintroduced a bill called the International Violence Against Women's Act. It was IVAWA was the acronym, and what this did is it essentially came across as trying to uh, ameliorate or to lessen uh, violence against women. It first of all highlighted it, yes, this is a problem, Mm -hmm. and then we're going to try to address ways to help women to be safer. Sounds like a great, sounds absolutely like a great idea. And the title sounds like a good thing. Absolutely. Who who is not for lessening violence against women? Yeah, who's going to vote against that? So you're going to vote against, okay, yeah, okay, so, but where's the the problem? Here's the problem. Throughout the bill, and it's a lengthy bill, it refers to reproductive health, which essentially means that women have the right to an abortion. It protects that. It holds it up as a fundamental right. In order to lessen violence against women, you have to protect their reproductive health, which, by the way, so that's another euphemism, right? (laughs) Because reproductive health, we should all be for that. Male, female. we should. But reproductive health is a euphemism for for abortion. abortion. And here's, here's a sticky point. What if the fetus is a female. Well, and that's a good point, (laughs) because what they're doing in this bill, and here this is, we're going to get right to the heart of it. What this bill does is it protects abortion under the name of protecting uh, or stopping violence against against women. women. But it's protecting abortion, which half of people in the womb are women. That's what I'm saying. Are girls, females. And abortion terminates that woman's life, that gal's life. It does. And how is that? Hmm. Yeah, irony. Of I guess ironies. we're I guess we're men. We don't understand those I, things. Well, right? <laughs> no, we do understand. And and by the way, it's okay for men to speak to yes, women's yes. issues if you are speaking truth. Right. 
And, of course, we want people to speak carefully and thoughtfully and to be respectful. Well, but and I was saying that kind of tongue-in-cheek, sure. Yeah, just because you're a man doesn't mean that you can't say abortion is wrong right. and that it's not a good policy right. to support a bill. Well, and the reason I kind of said that tongue-in-cheek is because I've had conversations with people before who have said, well, since you haven't experienced this, yeah. uh, you can't speak on that. That's right. Which means if a science teacher hadn't gone to the moon, they can't talk about the moon landing. Yeah. And, I mean, that's you know, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So, of course, you can speak to issues. Absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, I think we need to speak more carefully as men to yes. be more sensitive sure. to women who've been in a scary, difficult situation. Absolutely, yeah. Because you and I would never There's be There's things there. we don't understand, that, sure. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's what some of those Probably. folks are saying. And they're just kind of stretching it. Yeah, stretching it all the way out. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's another. I want to get back to the sure. Violence Against Women Act, the International Violence Against Women Act. It also defends gender or defines, I should say, gender analysis as the examination of the different impact of policies on different genders. And the issue with this is that it leaves open the possibility of a revised understanding of gender. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've been in this transgender moment for a few years. That's mm. not what people yeah, say. It's yeah, a transgender yeah. moment mm-hmm. where people mm-hmm. can define their own gender. If you identify with the opposite gender that you're born with, then that should be okay and blessed and protected. And, of course, it's very controversial. But this bill would essentially legitimize, in a sense, transgenderism. And this is problematic, and it's an irony too, Ron, mm-hmm. because women are very distinct from men mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. Oh, yeah. There's women have a lot of strengths generally uh, more the than men, men wish do. they had. Right, that absolutely. They had. Mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that they are superior to men in. On mm-hmm. the other hand, there are certain things that men do better in. That's why we complement each other, and that's that's right. Yeah. And that's complementarianism. And the, the two sexes are different; they're unique. Uh, they're both God, you know, defines gender. He makes the male and the female. Uh, they have their strengths. They have their weaknesses. But if this bill, bringing this back to this bill, if this were to push where female gender is, well, let me put it this way, if transgenderism is elevated, it essentially obliterates gender. Well, and here's the, th- you, 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 you're not up on all the lingo. I just had a conversation the other day with a person. You use gender and sex as if they were synonymous. Yeah. In today's society, yeah. Yeah. now it, this blows me away. Yeah. I was talking to somebody, a young person, um, a, a male, and he said, no, 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 gender and sex aren't the same thing. And, and I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what? He said, yeah, there's hundreds of genders, but there's only two sexes. And I said, what's the difference? Well, one is how you see yourself, and the other is who you actually are. And I'm like, whoa, are there like thousands of kind of doors? I mean, you know. Whether it's to Ron, just so you know, hey, Earth to Ron. Yes, there <laughs> I are. guess there are. I'm a bad example. But, but you no, know what actually I'm saying. The, actually, that, uh, I've heard that too. Yeah. Where gender is how you identify yourself. Facebook I, identified over 50 different genders. And, uh, now, sex is the biological traits of male or female, but there's been a, a mass movement, uh, largely by academia mm-hmm. and by some of the cultural leaders, those in with platforms and that have a spotlight, those in Hollywood, there are some people that are oh, promoting sure. it, but uh, it's really something of a, it, it's an extension of relativism. And mm-hmm. when I say relativism, it's the idea that People make up the rules as they go along. Yeah, truth is relative to your situation, right. your surroundings. Your yeah, there is no such thing as universal but, truth. Everything's right. relative. No everything's fixed, fluid. absolute yeah. truth. So when you start to buy into that, then there's no fixed, absolute definition of male or female, or there's no fixed 
rules for gender. I can identify with 50-some genders if Facebook would have it. And that's problematic. But this is where we are yeah, yeah. in our society. So let me move along. There's some and other... So these, these laws that help to be able to, to solidify those, that thinking, is it what I hear you saying, is, is the idea uh, that, that all this is fluid, there are no absolutes. Yeah, and, and Abs- absolutely. Yeah. This is an extension of uh, the relativistic movement, relativistic thinking, and it really puts into law, protects into law, this trans idea of transgenderism where people can identify their own gender. <laughs> but all couched under a law called International Violence Against Women yeah. Act. Absolutely. Okay. Now, Ron, we've got a couple other examples of euphemisms and mm-hmm. irony, okay. big stories, big events that have taken place in the last couple of months. We need to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a minute. All right. At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. This is Richard Nelson, and with me is Ron Hicks. And we are covering a number of issues and stories in the news that point out uh, inconsistencies, um, ironies, if you will. Mm -hmm. In our relativistic society, and what we said just before the break is that relativism is where there's no fixed absolute truth. It kind of depends on the situation. It really hinges on the person and how they interpret things. Um, But when you don't have an absolute standard of truth, if you don't believe that there is black and white, right and wrong, there's some things that are so fixed, you end up in a relativistic society where things like transgenderism are accepted. Right. Now, we're not saying everything is an absolute black and white, but what what I hear you saying is there are people that are completely erasing the idea of a black and white in any situation. That's right. And, 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 that's right. Okay. And, and that's how you get to the place where when it comes to gender, which is a really probably the best example of relativism at work in society, the, uh, the fallout is pretty serious when you see young boys who are in high school who identify as girls and they want to play in the girls' sports team, and they're accepted. They're, hey, come on and join the girls' sports teams. Well, guess what? Boys are made differently than girls, and with the testosterone levels that are so much higher than the young girls, they're going to outcompete girls in most cases. Absolutely. Even when, even when they begin the, the uh, hormone therapy and they give them massive doses of estrogen, the developmental changes, the bone structure, the muscle structure and everything that the testosterone level had, had given them is a distinct advantage. Now, the, estrogen, the testosterone levels may test the same after those estrogen things, but the, the benefits of having that testosterone early, yeah. any sports doctor will tell you, any per- anybody who's participating in sports will tell you, those effects are not reversed. That's right. Look at Caitlyn Jenner, yeah. formerly Bruce Jenner. Yeah. Look at his hands. Yeah. They are a man's hands. Oh, yeah. Look at his height. He's 6'2". Look at his shoulders. He, he is obviously at one time was a man. Now is identified as a woman. But all of those things that the testosterone gave him, he still has. Yeah, no, you're right. And on the flip side of it, for those who are younger, who are taking testosterone mm-hmm. treatments or mm-hmm. other hormone therapy, mm-hmm. we don't know the effects on these young people. We don't know the long-term health effects. Is it going to shorten lifespan? Right. Will it invite some kind of 
um, disease or abnormalities, and right. and we just don't know that. Right. And uh, but when you getting back to the high school boys competing in girls' events, we saw in Connecticut two transgender boys dominate state track tournaments. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. were two transgender boys. They were one and two in number of different um, events. And this is what one of them said, Terry Miller, a transgender boy from Connecticut. He said, the more we are told that we don't belong and should be ashamed of who we are, the fewer opportunities we have to participate in sports at all. Now, I don't want to come across as callous or mean-spirited, but this young boy could compete in the boys' track team. He could, and he is, and I, and I don't want to seem offensive. He might not want to be called a boy, but he was born a male. And Ron, I have a hard time. Um, I want to be respectful, yet I want to speak the truth mm-hmm. on this. So, please forgive me, listeners, if if I'm coming across as insensitive. Well, because I don't Richard, wanna... you you and I grew up in an age mm-hmm. where, when we were in science class, and we were, you know, the whole scientific method. You come up with a hypothesis, you make a statement, and then you set out to disprove that statement so that you have – so if I'm looking at you right now, you have all of the characteristics of a man. So if my hypothesis is you're a man, and I declare that, and then I try to disprove that, there's not anything that's going to be evidence other than if you say you're a woman, the only evidence that you're a woman is going to be, despite every other piece of evidence, is you saying, despite all the evidence – I feel like I'm a woman, and it's in my mind. Well, and you, but, no so you and I have been trained. Evidence. Yeah, you yeah. and I have been trained as young students. This is what critical thinking is. This is what scientific method yeah. is. Now we're being told all that was wrong. Yeah. yeah, that's ridiculous. No, it is, and I have a hard time with that. So I want to be sensitive, yet I'm going to stand firmly on the yeah, truth when yeah. it comes to these issues. And now, we, the group that is suing this uh, Connecticut public school system is called Alliance Defending Freedom. It's a Christian-based uh, public interest law firm. And they're involved with right-to-life issues, pro-marriage issues, pro-religious freedom issues. And Alliance Defending Freedom is a very well-known group, uh, I would say mainstream, very Mm -hmm. talented attorneys. They know their stuff. But they're being accused by the American Civil Liberties Union, another acronym, public interest law firm, ACLU. They're attacking them because they say that they are trying to demonize transgender people. This is what Shannon Minter the uh, legal director with the um, LGBT, actually, let me take it back. She is not with ACLU. She is with the uh, LGBT advocacy group called the National Center for Lesbian Rights. She said this, ADF has a much larger agenda here to attack and to demonize transgender people. Ron, the reason I point out this statement is because is that really attacking and demonizing because you disagree with the policy that allows young boys to join the girls' sports teams at a public school? No. You, you, I have shared with you a story before. It's too lengthy to get into right now. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I met with a, a preoperative transsexual, became mm-hmm. dear friends with this person, eventually was able to baptize this person. Um, I completely disagreed with what they were going through. I prayed with them. I ate out with them. I, I shared with them. I uh, this person I consider to be a friend, I, I, I had a, a, a deep love and respect for this person, but I completely and totally disagreed with right. the path that they were on. Right. I never once demonized this person, right. insulted this person, no nothing. So, so to be able to uh, attack somebody that way because of their beliefs, how, how, how open-minded is that? How liberal yeah. thinking is that yeah. to be able to say, if you don't so, agree with me, I'm going to use every word I can to be able to talk about what a horrible person uh, you are. Allow me to be a little pointed. That's like going back to the sixth grade or seventh grade when you, because you don't agree with me, you're an idiot 
or I'm going to call you names. Or your because, mama. Yeah, <laughs> you remember when you that's said right. that? When yeah. you had nothing better to say, you would just that's attack right. a person's and that's mother. And that's a very infantile argument. Yeah, absolutely. It's foolish yeah. to have to, to label somebody. Well, and here's in this argument, we're seeing the term transphobic used. Yes. If you don't support these people, if you don't bless them, if you don't allow them to identify and just support what they're doing, then you are transphobic. And, and we, we, do have to, we do have to admit, just like there are some folks, you and I are blood-bought, born-again believers, and there are folks yeah. who don't understand that, that think that we're just stupid for believing in this, yeah. and they would call us that. There are some folks who don't understand this at all, and, and they, would just, they, they might call some of these people that. That's, that's an infantile, um, not majority, that's an infantile, uh, uh, a very small minority, just like a very small minority would call us names yeah. because we're Christian. Yeah. So when people are hearing this and say, well, I, I heard a guy say this, we're not talking about nobody says this. Right. We're talking about that's the right. majority of intelligent people don't demonize people right. if they disagree with them, they're, they're, you know, so... Right. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Commonwealth Matters, and we're talking about euphemisms and ironies with major issues and news events in uh, recent months. And uh, one reason, Ron, why this is important is because it's important that we get our language clear. It's important that we have a shared understanding of what we're talking about. Uh, And it's important that we can have these conversations because, quite frankly, it's getting more and more difficult to talk about these mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. Ron, we, uh, we're, gonna ha- we're up on a break here, okay. but we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back and we're going to talk about further implications of why it's important for us to find a shared understanding of language and of how to address these issues. So stick with us. We'll be back in just a minute. At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. This is Richard Nelson. I'm here with Ron Hicks, and we're talking about euphemisms and irony in our language and in current events and issues of the day. Listen to what George Orwell said. He was a, a British thinker and author. Of course, he, he wrote 1984. He wrote a book um, called Politics in the English Language, and he said this, The English language becomes ugly and inaccurate because our thoughts are foolish, but the slovenliness of our language makes it easier for us to have foolish thoughts. If thought corrupts language, language can also corrupt thought. Uh, Orwell was a stickler for clarity when mm-hmm. you're speaking about issues or what, whatever you're dealing with. By the way, he was not a conservative. <laughs> he was a socialist, mm-hmm. uh, but he was a thinker, too, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. understood that you wanted to have clear language. In fact, he also said this in that same essay, Politics in the English Language, the great enemy of clear language is insincerity. When there's a gap between one's real and one's declared aims, one turns, as it were, instinctively to long words and exhaustive, exhausted idioms, like a cuttlefish spurting out ink. <laughs> it's a gap between your real aim and your declared aims. And that's so much of what happened, yeah. what's going on today. Yeah. 
there's this language that you use in public, but there's another underlying current that's taking place there. And Ron, you're a pastor. You deal with words. You you preach every Sunday, but you have meetings with people. You mm-hmm. speak at other events. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we ad- how do we address that to bring about clarity in our language and in our conversations. I loved it when when that, that, that one quote talked about, if you don't know what you're saying, just use great big long words. Yeah. When I was in the sixth grade, <laughs> I had an English teacher that wore a T-shirt one time that said, Eshu obfuscation, Eshu obfuscation. And I'm like, what in the world does that mean? And he said, well, Eshu means to do away with. Uh-huh. To obfuscate is to use a great big word when a small <laughs> word would do. So Eshu obfuscation, he said, the irony of this whole thing is I'm using great big words to say, use little words when you can. <laughs> and I remembered that in the sixth grade because he said that very thing. Yeah. Usually when people use great big words, it means that they're not really knowledgeable enough to be able to talk about the issue they're talking about. So they try to stumble you, trip you up with words that you don't know. Yeah. Um, when people will say often, well, that's just semantics. I like to say, well, if some if, if if words weren't that important, there wouldn't be a special word to define how important words were, like <laughs> semantics. So I think it's incredibly important that we give our message as clearly and as concisely and as simply as we can. And when you muddle it up with great big words and throw in extra words in there that never – like to d- distinguish between gender and sex – when all along those two meant the same thing, right. or I think we've you've got an idea uh, the, the the word of the year yeah. you were they, tell us about that yeah yeah, yeah. so a new so, meaning to a word that for how long has meant one thing yeah Merriam Webster's dictionary declared they the word of the year for 2019 and this is because and that had to do with their number of lookups people were looking that up because they was increasingly used by individuals who did not want to use the male or female pronoun he or she. Mm-hmm. And so they is how they wanted to be identified, which mm-hmm. is ironic because they has always meant plural. Yes. It's a group of people. Mm-hmm. And that's what we all learned in sixth grade English. Yes. And that still is the case today. And if you 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 and I are a little older than, than people getting out of high school, we're, we're grandfathers. If, if somebody says to us, I want you to call me they, in our whole life we use they in one term, we can be charged with hate speech because we don't instantly adjust our vocabulary right. and the meaning of our words. It, I, for, I, I was encountered with that just the other day at Starbucks. I'm sorry to interrupt yeah, you. Yeah. Somebody asked me to call him they, and I said, I won't. Yeah. Um, tell me your name, and I'll address you by your name. Yeah. I won't say he or she, yeah. but I won't say they either. Tell me your name, and every Did time they I refer to they accept that? I'm curious. Did uh, they... th- no, actually, they said, if you won't call me by they, then don't call me anything. Mm. And I said, then I won't. <laughs> okay, that's unfortunate. But see, that's where the rub is. You were trying to be they were respectful. Combative. Yeah, they were combative. You were trying to be respectful was, by finding absolutely. an alternative. Let me find and a of course, yeah. when mm-hmm. you're talking to a transgender person, if they didn't even call, identify themselves as transgender, they just said, "Don't don't call me he, call me mm-hmm. they." Okay, which is interesting. I, I we don't have time to go yeah, into yeah, that yeah. conversation. I'm curious now <laughs> what how, how <laughs> we that talk started. Off the yeah. So so they uh, was the word of the year in 2019, and this gets back to. Clear language. Yeah. We're seeing this twisting of language. What was once a clear understanding of a word, it's just a, a pronoun. Uh, it's no longer clear. Ron, I want to go. We we're kind of running out of time, and there's more material I want to get through here. I want to go to a, another topic of journalism. And U.S. News and World Report had a headline that said, "Year-end violence highlights danger of worshiping." And this was in reference to a couple of attacks on religious institutions, a church uh, in Texas, and then there was a, a, uh, 
a synagogue up in the Northeast. And this is the, the opening paragraph of this U.S. News & World Report story. The machete attack on a rabbi's home in Monzi, New, Jer- New York, during Hanukkah, and the shooting of worshipers at a Texas church are refocusing attention on how vulnerable worshipers are during religious services. Now, I want to bring it back to the headline here. It says, Year-end violence highlights danger of worshiping. Ron, is it dangerous? You, you're in a church every Sunday. I'm in a church every Sunday. Uh, where is there is it dangerous to be in a church worshiping? Well, let's just take the latest event in Texas. In Texas, there were uh, by by the church's uh, definite. I mean, by their own uh, publicity, mm-hmm. they said there was 250 worshipers. Two of the worshipers died that day in all of Texas. In all all of Texas, that on that particular worship day. The news only reported that those two died. So it was 1% of a congregation of 250. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it would even be 1% of 1% of all the worshipers on that particular day in just that one state. And so I think you can say maybe violence in worship has increased, but to say danger of worshiping because 1% of 1% of 1% See, lost their life that the, day. How many people died on the yeah, way to yeah. Walmart after church? Well, that or how many gang um, battles were there taking right. place in Los mm-hmm. Angeles or Chicago? Mm-hmm. How many people died there? The reason I'm making an issue with this is because when I see danger of worshiping, it could frighten people to think, man, it's, it's dangerous to go to church. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. want to get shot. Mm-hmm. Well, the likelihood is really rare mm-hmm. when you consider the millions upon mm-hmm. millions of Americans who are worshiping yeah. on any given Sunday. That was, it was tragic, it was awful what happened, but it was also an anomaly. And I think there's another agenda. Again, this other thing going on where they're going to highlight mass violence, and that is an issue. I'm not downplaying that, but I'm going to suggest that it's not dangerous to worship. And compared to the month before, where maybe nobody died in church, they could say, church violence up 200%, you know, over last month, yeah. because two we'll, people died as opposed to, to none, none, you know. Yeah. And and is that sensationalizing? Absolutely. Is that yeah. is that uh, proper journalism? No. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that. I didn't read, uh, share further in that story, but they do reference oh, the <laughs> increasing <laughs> uh, violence in churches. So um, here's, here's where we're going, uh, is, you know, we, we live in a topsy-turvy world where up is down, Right is left, black is white. We're like Francis Schaeffer said so many years ago that our we're like our feet. Plant, culture is like our feet planted firmly in midair. <laughs> we don't have any footing. <laughs> we're just we're upside down. And uh-huh. and uh, this the reason this is so important is because we need to think clearly. Number one, number two, words mean something, and it's important that we have a shared understanding. I know that they change over time and twist, but sure. we're seeing a radical. Um, absolute change is being forced upon people. And we're also seeing this uh, being carried out in, by some in the media. You've got those on the mm-hmm. far right, those mm-hmm. on the far left, but many in influential places are pushing this uh, further. But here's what we should understand, that when we confuse the meaning of words and blur understanding, we are on shaky ground. And as Christians, we should work for solid ground. We should work for shared understanding. We should work for those things that help shed light on an issue and not bring us into darkness. And that's why this is important. And as we do it, we do it with love and with grace and compassion, but we need to be firm. (laughs) Ron, we are out of time. Man, that's a good word. Hey, this has been great doing this program with you. God bless you. God bless you, listeners. Thank you.